We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, folks? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. This week's episode is sponsored by TickPick, which should be your first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees ever. TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the Striking Gold podcast and the Blue Wire Network. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for said Blue Wire. And joining me tonight is my co-host, KP of NinersNation.com, also known as Kyle Posey. How's it going, bro? I'm good, man. We got some football to talk about, some real football to talk so, about. In. Some Ooh. real emotionally charged, back and forth, edge of your seat football. And I know that sounds incredibly sarcastic. Because that's what I am, but I'm not being sarcastic. Right. <laughs> For the first time. This game was ridiculous. Um, just to throw out the, the obvious, the surface level stuff, the 49ers beat the Lions in a weird, weird game, 41 to 33. Um, yeah, that, <laughs> it's one of those games. It's just going to be fun to talk about for, you know, it's it's definitely interesting. It's definitely entertaining. It's definitely, you know, uh, it was an interesting game, but it was just not what the 49ers expected and not what the game looked to be like for the first 90% of it. So, I mean, I don't know, KP, what do you think, man? What are your, what are your just initial, like, thoughts? I thought that the there was a stretch of the game where it just seemed like, snoozer like it wasn't interesting at all it's just kind of dead and that wasn't the case early because obviously you know the first part of the game it seemed like the preseason game um with the lions turning it over on fourth down the 49ers fumbling the first snap the lions missing a field goal and then the 49ers offense took off they got rolling they scored i believe three possessions in a row i think they scored on every drive until mitch Wisnowski came to punt which was like the third quarter, the end of the third quarter. 
And then right. the fourth quarter hit. And that's when it went all bad for the 49ers. And obviously we're going to talk about, you know, the injuries and just the lackluster play. I, I think the Lions outs gained them in the fourth quarter, like 187 to 37, just something crazy like that. Um, I saw a Cardinals fan say that the Niners gave up 33 points to the Lions in week one. And all right, you didn't watch the game. You have no idea what <laughs> what happened. So right. if you didn't watch the game and you look at the score, you're thinking, wow, their defense is no good. And I really didn't come away thinking that at all. But No, I didn't either. I didn't either. It just really felt like an anomaly. Like right. it was it was not a normal football game to watch. With 958 left in the entire game, the 49ers were winning 41 to 17. Yes. yes. And up until that point, 958 in the entire game, it, it just felt like an absolute ass kicking, like of epic proportions, both on the offense and defensive side of the ball. And then in just the weird way that football can, uh, it got out of hand. And I think it's fair to say that, that, that the initial push of the snowball down the hill was Jason Verrett going down with what is not confirmed but believed to be a torn ACL. Um, Everything Kyle Shanahan has said and everything we've seen to this point points to that, which is just absolutely crushing, you know, like, but before, before we get into it, because obviously you have just as much of, you know, an, an, an attachment and an interest in rooting for Jason Brett as anybody else. But before we get into it, I got some shit I got to get off my chest. Because one of the things I tweeted towards the end of the game, I don't know if you saw this, but I said, I said, it's one of those wins that will wholeheartedly feel like a loss for the 49ers, especially with what appears to be the loss of cornerback Jason Verrett. Just a brutal afternoon for a good team that completely unraveled in the fourth quarter. Does anything about that tweet seem not at all other than the loud noises? Not at all. That was just a random window popped open. Love it. No, not even a little bit. It sounds exactly what happened. Debo Samuel acknowledges much. Uh, Kyle, Shan- Kyle Shanahan said the same thing. You just I, – I don't think we do a good enough job of the emotional part of things when we're talking about football. And like that – when you see a guy go down like that, when you see – you saw him walking off the field and he was just crushed. He knew it was over. If you, if you saw the replay – it was a non-contact injury for Brett. You could see his knee kind of move there. So instantly it's like, oh, man, he's done. And he was able to walk off. And that's when people think, oh, it's fine. But you see people walking on their ACL right after it's torn um, pretty much all the time. So that's not a good indicator of the injury not being serious. But no, it, it was tough, man. It was just tough to watch that emotion pour out because he's been through so much. And knowing what he's been through – knowing that he's been able to rehab and overcome some things because he was dealing with a foot injury just like two weeks ago. So it's not like, you know, he had, he's had a clean build up even during the preseason. So knowing that he wasn't even able to get out of week one was pretty crushing, man. Yeah. And it, the part that I wanted to get off my chest was, and, and the, the vast majority of the replies I got were people that can obviously grasp the context and the severity of the situation without just going, Nope. Wins a win, which even a, 49ers beat writer did to me last year uh, in the elevator after the game. That wasn't last year. I don't think it was last year. 
I can't remember. I think that was also against the, against the Lions. It was like two years ago. I think it was the year of their, their Super Bowl run where they had like a really close win over a very bad team at home at Levi's Stadium. And I can't remember exactly who it was. But even – and sure enough, right, in the uh, – you know, and this beat writer was like, oh, man, win's a win. And I kind of was like, man, that's not, <laughs> that's not how real life works. <laughs> and and sure enough, Richard Sherman was the first person to speak. And he, the first thing he says is, oh, man, it's one of those wins that just feels like a loss. And I wanted to just pop up and be like, told you, bitch. But anyways – the serious point I was trying to make before I derailed my own point is I had a few replies where people were just like, nah, man, wins a win, like on to next week. And, and I'm just like, what? And, and I'm just like reading these replies and it, and it just reminds me that there are seriously people out there that just do not give a shit about these players. Yeah. Like in the slightest. At all, all they. I'm assuming all they see are their their color jerseys running around the field, doing what they hope that they're supposed to do, and and what happens happens. Like it, it blew my mind that there were people out there that couldn't grasp the fact that yes, the 49ers won on paper, but as far as that team in that locker room is concerned, they don't feel like they won shit. If anything, it feels more like a loss than a win because they know Jason Brett, their starting corner, their best corner. Um, you know, and, and really the only person holding that group together looks like he was lost to a season ending injury. Debo Samuel was cracking up when he, you know, in his press conference, when he was asked about Jason Brett emotional, he said that Kyle Shanahan asked the locker room about the win and they didn't say anything like, they're like, Hey, how do you guys feel about the win? And he said the locker room was silent. So pull your head out of your ass. I know it's Twitter and we're going to read all kinds of dumb shit all the time on Twitter. Uh, but it's just like, Realize how you come off when you say shit like that. Like you can't grasp the fact that losing a player to a season ending ending injury that not that it really matters, but is very, very well liked in the locker room might be more important to this team and the players within it than the fucking win that they just got in which they almost blew it to what is considered like a bottom five team this year. The 49ers think that they're a Super Bowl contender. And I would agree with them, but they didn't close out that game like a Super Bowl contender would, and it legitimately came down to the last drive. So the team really, other than the fact that they get to put a W in the column, has nothing to be happy about. It, I'm you know, so it, glad that you're ranting right now because everything you're saying is correct, and everything that you're saying is probably how the 49ers and the coaching staff feels. It, it, to me, it seems obvious. I don't know if that's because I played a little bit of football, not very much. I only played through high school. Uh, I coach football, and it maybe, and, and I've been around that locker room. Maybe that gives me a grasp of the situation. But to me, it's always seemed obvious. There are things that happen within this game that are way more important than the, than the W or the L. And we've seen that today. Yet there are still people out there like, "Nah, man, wins a win." Like, it, it, you know, yeah, it sucks, but. You know, this team just won like they're there. And it was so obvious that that wasn't how everything was going to be perceived. So my bad, dude, I had to ran a little bit. No, that's great. We need to talk about that because way too often we ignore just the process of football. We ignore we're just worried about the wins and the losses. When think about everything that happened during the game where he mostly played like two series. Right. And he looked great, but he was hurt. And when Jamichael Hasty scored a touchdown, you could see Raheem Mostert, he didn't look like he was happy, of course, but he, he wanted to be out there. And that's natural. That's a normal thing to go through. 
And we just go down the line for injury, injury. So Aziz, when he went down, even though he went back in, you see the same thing with Fred Warren. Like, oh, damn, like you just a sigh of here we go again is what it really seems like. And I think Brett obviously is going to be the biggest one of all. But um, I, I don't understand why this is so hard for people to understand when we're talking about like the process of the game, what, what, what actually goes on other than what happens in the box score, other than what happens in the win-loss column. Um, it, it's tough, man, and uh, I don't. I don't think it's going to change anytime soon, which is which is the most frustrating part. No, and to me, I've never been able to disconnect being a fan of an NFL team and being a fan of the players. Like, I want the individual players to do well. I want to see them succeed, and it seems like there are legitimately people out there that really only see people in a uniform, like doing what they hope their team does. It's just it's a really weird dynamic. But anyways. Let's let's get on to some positive shit. The 49ers did win. There were quite a few players that really put on a show. Um, I mean, I guess before we can get into that, we can kind of go through how things unraveled. Um, like I said, it started with with Jason Verrett uh, and his injury, and you could just tell that that took the life out of the team in a huge in a huge way because Jason Verrett got up after holding his knee. He was obviously emotional, even on the field, still laying on the grass. And he's a proud dude. He got up and walked off the field and on a torn ACL that, you know, and I'm, uh, I do need to emphasize that we're assuming that's the case. Even Kyle Shanahan was told by the medical staff that they believe that's the case, but they can't confirm it yet. He walked off, immediately sat on the bench and put a towel over his head because I'm sure he was crying. Um, and rightfully so. The dude's yeah, just wouldn't? been through the ringer. Right. And then shortly after that, he, again, just a proud dude that doesn't want to show any weakness in front of his team starts to walk to the locker room, doesn't get very far, and immediately starts to need help from the training staff. And they're on either side of his arms helping him walk. And then eventually, I believe, they pulled up a cart and and took him the rest of the way. So super, super – I mean, it, it tells you, in, in my opinion, it tells me what this locker room is like made of when something like that does affect the team. Now, do you want it to affect the team that drastically? Is it 100% the reason the team fell apart? Probably not, but you could just tell that they really care for each other, and seeing that just pull the life out of them, man. It was it was really something to watch. And then it just spiraled out of control from there. The Lions drove the field. They scored. They got a two-point pass to, I believe, TJ Hawkinson, uh, the tight end that had a good game. Um, and then they immediately kicked an onside kick that bounces and hits George Kittle directly in the face mask, like hard. <laughs> and he can't pull that in. The Lions immediately get it and um, drive the field again. Goff completes a deep pass to one of the receivers, who, and then he throws a jump ball uh, to another one of the receivers, and I believe that's the one. And then they got the uh, – I can't remember how they got the two-point conversion. Was the two-point the jump ball or was – no, the jump ball was the touchdown. Right. But I, I, don't, I don't remember, remember at which pass they threw to complete the two-point. I don't remember it being well covered. And then um, – I think I was still in shock from the ball going off of Kittle's face mask. Right. Um, and the that and then of course the 49ers get the ball and it literally for a split second looked like they had put the game away because all they needed was a first down. The Lions exhausted all their timeouts, getting the other two drives, um, slash stopping the clock when the 49ers had the ball. And Jimmy Garoppolo throws a good pass to Debo Samuel over the middle. Um, who just basically ran kind of towards the open zone in the middle and then and caught it and turned to run and didn't notice the Lions defender running up right behind him who just punched the ball out. I think it was Trey Flowers. Um, punched the ball out, 
and the Lions had the ball on like their own like 30. And all they had to do was score and get a two-point conversion to tie the game. And that's when the 49ers defense decided to to get stout. And and you know, the ending score ended up being 41-33. So it was this really weird snowball in the fourth quarter after Jason Brett got hurt. And at that point, I don't know how much to your to what you said earlier, I don't know how much of that is indicative of the team we're truly about to see. You know, obviously they're going to have to do something at corner because uh, yes, <laughs> that spot, that spot's been blown open worse than we feared. And that was like our biggest fear. Yeah. So the, I guess, well, there's, there's going to be no good news coming out of this. Let's be clear about that. There's no good news when you lose your, not just starting corner, but um, one of your best players, like, He's been one of their best players since the season, since August started, since training camp, preseason started. And now, as we saw, it was Dante Johnson and DeAndre Lenore, who Lenore did not play poorly at all. But he's going to, at some point, because he's a rookie cornerback drafted on the third day, uh, he's not going to be able to be protected. That's natural, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, on the other side, Dante Johnson, not so much. And then when Brett went down, Lenore had to play inside. So he was playing in the slot, which I don't – where was K1 Williams is one of the questions that I would have asked if I was there, but I don't know. I don't know what happened to him. But it was Lenore, it was Dante Johnson, and it was Ambry Thomas, and they were just killing Ambry Thomas and Dante Johnson. But the good news is next week, Kyle Shannon said Emmanuel Mosley has a chance to play and that Josh Norman could have played today like he was, quote-unquote, ready to go. So – more than likely, those are going to be the two starters. But he also said, we're going to look at guys tonight, tomorrow, and Tuesday. So they're going to be looking. They're going to be on the prowl. Maybe it's Richard Sherman. Who knows? But uh, I wouldn't even rule out people on other, on other rosters. Also true. Yeah, so there was just a trade where the Texans and the Saints, I believe it was, moved Bradley Roby. Uh, and that was for like a third-round pick. And they essentially just paid for the pick with – his $9 million salary or whatever. So that, yeah, that would be far more realistic because you need a guy who can play and there's not going to be guys available who can help you. Obviously, Richard Sherman is an outlier and an anomaly in this situation. But I mean, he, he's, we saw what he looked like last year and there's no telling, you know, where, what his level of play will be like this year. So at the same time, who's going to want to give up a cornerback who's on a team that's capable. Right. So it's not going to be uh, – it's going to be tough, man. I, I don't know what to think. I don't know what's going to happen, but they're going to have their work cut out for him. And I know that the pass rush is very good, and I know that these guys are going to be able to get after it. Bosa's sack today was unreal. D Ford sack, that's <laughs> exactly what it's going to look like when he gets a sack. He's just going to use his speed, get around the edge. And if it happened once a game, if it happened once every other game, that wouldn't be surprising because both of those players are that good. But – Pass rushers don't win all the time. Pass rushers usually win anywhere between like 10 to 15%. And those are the really, really good ones. So for all those other plays, you need somebody to cover. And as we saw today, when the pass rush doesn't get home, uh, even the, the Lions don't have good receivers. And they still were able to get open. And yes, there was some soft coverage at the end of the game. But even in those last couple of drives, I don't think the 49ers were playing preview because in my – like from what I remember – Ryan's was bringing the house like he kept blitzing and that didn't really help. That didn't help the guys get home and it didn't help the coverage guys on the back end. So um, I don't, I don't think this is going to be 
you know, like a season ender, obviously. Like I saw people say the 49ers Super Bowl window went out or just closed with Brett getting hurt. It's not going to be that dramatic, but it's definitely going to take a huge toll, man. So I, I'm curious to see what direction they go and what they're willing to give up, I guess, how aggressive they're going to be here. Right, right. All right, so before we get into we'll, we'll go through, kind of talk about some of the other things we saw, some positive stuff, some – you know, some, some people that showed out. Uh, before we do that, let's get a quick word in from Tick Tick. 49ers football, it's finally back. There's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find 49ers tickets anymore. Tick Pick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NFL tickets. Tick Pick got rid of all those awful service fees that you other ticket sites charge. Uh, well, let's get them. Guarantee the best prices on all the other NFL tickets. Don't believe it. You can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site. TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. It's pretty solid. Uh, we got the 49ers coming up at Levi's Stadium against the Green Bay Packers. Super exciting home opener. Check out TickPick to uh, to get yourself some tickets. To get yourself some tickets. Here's how you're going to do it. You're going to go to TickPick.com slash gold. That's going to tell them that you are coming from the Striking Gold podcast. Go there today, use the promo code GOLD, and you're going to save $10 on your first order um, on 49ers tickets. So check it out. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. You ready? Showtime. 
On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right. So back to the game. Uh, like we said, man, it's just a weird game. It even it, it's such a weird game that it even feels weird talking about it. Like it was like a good thing. Like it was just so weird. But probably sitting atop the list of players that just showed up are is Debo Samuel, who caught nine passes on twelve targets for a hundred and eighty nine yards and a touchdown. Debo Samuel was essentially what I thought Brandon Ayuk was going to do when we were on. Uh, on the pride podcast earlier in the week. Yeah. So he was amazing. And they weren't all gimmies. You know, they got him a couple times for big chunk plays over the middle, but his biggest play, the 79 yard touchdown um, was on an underthrown deep ball from Jimmy Garoppolo. And he just like, it was, it was such an interesting play because Debo Samuel was looking at the ball. He could see that it was underthrown, but he didn't hit the brakes until like, the ball was right on him and he just stopped. And in a second, the cornerback was a yard further down the field. Debo Samuel was under the ball, caught it, and then just cut it in field and took it to for six. And it was just a really, really impressive play. He didn't go up and get the ball. He just timed it perfectly to where he was like, you know, stop, catch, go, touchdown. And uh, he balled out, man. He balled out. And, and I believe, I don't remember where I saw it. But I think Kyle Shanahan did say that Brandon Ayuk had a little bit of a hams, hamstring tweak earlier right. this week. Okay. Yeah, that, that's, that was going on. So he missed an entire week of practice, I'm pretty sure, the week before. And he said they wanted to be cautious with Ayuk. But he also said that Trent Sherfield earned it. And to be clear, like Ayuk started off really, really well during the preseason, during training camp. And I don't want to say faded. I don't think that's the right word. But there were always inconsistencies. And he just maybe stagnant is just the best way to put it, because once he had drops, those kind of continued and it kind of helped uh, or sorry, seeked into his play. And I think that played a toll in his game. And that's why we saw, you know, no targets for him today, which is pretty wild. Right. But I mean, did he, he come out there on a punt return at one point? Yeah, he had a seven yard punt return. Okay. Okay. So yeah, I mean, obviously a weird game for Debo. I know that at one point, um, people were talking as if he'd fought his way into the doghouse. I'm not sure we're quite there, uh, for Brandon Ayuk, but I mean, like you said, Kyle Shanahan did mention the fact that he felt like Trent Sherfield had earned the right to be out there. So to me, kind of Shanahan just tipping maybe some feelings a little bit in the fact that he thinks that there may be something, you know, to look at with Brandon Ayuk and the reason he wasn't out there outside of just being careful for, you know, uh, so dude, you are killing me with those noises, bro. I I don't know where those are coming from. They came through, they come through like so loud. We'll try to edit the noise out, but it's all good. Um, I, hopefully it doesn't come through your car speakers or wherever you're listening to this, your AirPods, as loud as it just did in my headset. 
But hey, man, everything. It's funny too because I'm looking at the little sound waves on Zencaster, and it's like, bam. Yeah. Like, um, but that's all right. Whatever, man. Hey, we're live. We're we're unedited here on Stephen Gold. If y'all if y'all didn't already realize it, so Devo Samuel showing out looked the part. Um, I mean, right behind right behind him, obviously, was Jimmy Garoppolo, who, I mean, looks solid. I, I don't really think you need to. There's much more to say other than the fact that he just looked good and he looked comfortable. What do you think from from the two of them there, KP? Yeah. So Debo, I thought he looked how we want him to look. Right. I think. We, we never really had a chance to see him down the field. And the one pass that was down the field today kind of reminded me of fourth and two against the Ravens in 2019, where it was it was a jump ball. It was a 50-50 play. And Debo adjusted, finished, and made a play. I thought he did a really good job of – sometimes when you're in contact with the defender as a receiver, you worry more about the defender than you do a ball. And that affects you from just bringing it down. I don't think I think Debo did a really good job of just focusing on the ball on that deep on that seventy nine yarder. Uh, you mentioned the chunk plays; those are going to be in Shanahan's off. Like that's just what they do they, for whatever reason. Right. Well, I mean, I know why, just with their running game, just how they the pre snap motion. But they can get chunk plays over the middle whenever they want to. So, and the plays that they ran today, like very basic one on one stuff that they always do. So it's good to know that those plays will always be there. Um, as far as Jimmy Garoppolo goes. Yeah, I thought that he was fine. He was good. He's what he needed to be. I thought the best attribute we saw from Jimmy G was what how he handled pressure. He evaded a couple of sacks today, I thought, and that was really good. I thought he also did a good job of not flinching under pressure. Uh, I don't think his ball placement was that great. I think he did have some misses. And, For sure. But I also, at the same time, I mean – you want to see him move. You want to see him be mobile in the pocket, and that's what he was. And he was able to keep the team ahead of the chains because whether he was just throwing the ball away or whether he was using his legs, all it always seemed to work. So I think that was more promising than any of the misses. Um, I saw some people kind of kind of hyping him up like because his numbers look great. Like He had a really good day if you just look at his box score. It, you wouldn't think that he was that good just by you know the way he played. But it, with the space that they create in this offense – he just needs to be able to hit throws. If he plays like he does today, under pressure, when bodies are flying around him, uh, this team could be really, really good. And I think before, since we're talking about, you know, Debo balling out, Jimmy playing well and keeping the offense on schedule, we have to talk about the offensive line because he had all day to throw outside of like three or four dropbacks, which is a great sign. Uh, no issues for Mike McGlinchey, which is something that we always worry about. How many times do we call number 69's name to like how many times did you see people tweeting about Michael Uh Zero. Yeah, he was a non he was a non factor on Twitter, which is a great thing for the 49ers <laughs> offense. Because you know, 49ers Twitter is not going to turn down an opportunity to talk shit on the great Michael Glinchy. No, they can't wait to doubt to dog him, man, and we didn't have to worry about that. I I saw Alex Mack driving a couple of Lions defenders on separate plays, uh, five, six, seven yards down the field. They showed a replay of Trent Williams, obviously on the safety one time. Brent uh, Brunskill had a pancake on Elijah Mitchell's 38-yard touchdown run. So, like, all these guys are making plays. All these guys are in sync. And so when you get that in the running game, when you get how well they held up in pass protection, you get 41 points. So um, Detroit actually has a good defensive line. Remember, we talked about this. That was the strength of their team. And Garoppolo is pretty much unaffected all game. So that was really cool to see um, offensively. It it would be tough for them to – um, just play a more efficient game, I would say, offensively, because running game was rolling. 
passing game was going, and they were hitting in all cylinders. Yeah, it was pretty impressive. And when you get on uh, at least the, uh, the the official NFL statistics site that we use during games, um, if you go to the defensive statistics, most of the numbers you see pop up past the third column all have to do with like quarterback hits, sacks, to, or tackles for loss. And the 49ers have all kinds of numbers in that area. And the Lions is bare, which is, is speaks well to the offensive line and the fact that they really, for the most part, shut down the 49ers, or excuse me, the Lions defensive front, the, the 49ers offensive line did. They only had one sack and three quarterback hits. And just for comparison's sake, uh, the 49ers had three sacks and four, five, six, seven, eight, nine uh, quarterback hits, as well as four, seven, eight, nine tackles for loss. And um, the Lions only had one tackle for loss the whole game, and that was the sack. So, it was a really impressive effort, one from the 49ers defensive line and two from the 49ers offensive line, which in the end, not that the cornerback situation doesn't affect anything, but I do just feel like the team's just going to live and die by those two groups. You know, what the 49ers offensive and defensive lines do, the team will follow. And it, uh, or at least you can say, gives them the absolute best chance to win. So. Uh, and I think one more thing we got to mention too is is Trey Lance threw his first NFL touchdown today. Came in a few other times, but they were all run plays where he went absolutely nowhere. Um, but he did come in in the red zone and threw a touchdown pass to none other than Trent Sherfield, who he uh, definitely developed a chemistry with throughout the offseason. So that was cool to see. You know, it was just a little little gadget play in the end zone. Kyle Shannon said he didn't mean to do that. <laughs> like what, he man? Pressed, he pressed the wrong button on the <laughs> right. You uh, you just happened to throw the rookie quarterback in on the first drive of the season in the red zone twice, and his first career pass. You made sure that it went for a touchdown. Come on, man. I feel like Stop he's just starting to troll oh, everybody. Sure. I, it, he got too crazy. hyped up from the the Mac Jones stuff, so now he just is making shit up at this point. But um, and then one more person we got to mention. Elijah Mitchell, because Raheem Mostert started out on fire. He had two carries for 20 yards. I mean, just in those two carries, you're averaging 10 yards a carry. Um, but apparently tweaked his knee. We don't know how bad it is yet. Kyle Shanahan did say that they were going to get images, like an MRI, done uh, a little later in the day because the 49ers are not returning to Levi Stadium. They're staying on the East Coast before they play the Eagles uh, next week. And Raheem Mostert is supposed to get some MRIs. They don't expect that it's it's an ACL, but we'll see. Uh, and then Elijah Mitchell was the next man up. I mean, if you look at the the carries for the running backs, you had Raheem had two. Then Jamichael Hasty had one that he scored on. Uh, Garoppolo had three. Lance had three. And Elijah Mitchell had 19. And obviously something that has to be said when you're talking about the Elijah Mitchell game is uh, fellow rookie, but third-round pick, Trey Sermon was inactive for this game. Um, a healthy scratch, was not injured. The 49ers and just didn't feel like he was one of their three best running backs. That is so nuts to say. It you is. Trade it, it up is. for him. Right. And the 49ers had two day two rookies as healthy scratch. I mean, is, is Aaron Banks considered a healthy scratch? Did he officially return from that injury? So he has been practicing, I guess, yes. To answer your question, I don't believe he was on the injury report. Um, I don't either. He hasn't done anything to show that he should be active. And to be fair, I don't think Emory Thomas has either, but they, they just can't afford to not have him like that. 
Right. But yeah, it, it uh, whew, th- just looking at the inactives today, like especially with Kinlaw too, uh, that was something. Yeah. But as far as Sermon goes, what, what, what did they want to see? I guess what did they expect? I want to know what he hasn't been doing that they wanted to see. Because just based on what I saw, he looks like the same guy in college. And I don't think that's a bad thing. It's not maybe, – maybe he really just relies on speed in the outside zone scheme. And that's why Elijah Mitchell was so effective. Because just if we just focus on Elijah Mitchell today, if you had no idea, you would have thought he was like the 49ers second round pick. He looked really, really freaking good. He, yeah, Elijah Mitchell runs a lot like Raheem Mostert does. Yeah, you know they they both have a decent build. They both are sort of upright runners. Oh, and for they're sure, both really, and yeah. They both are really fast, and we saw that the 49ers defense created or offensive line slash tight end um, created a a massive hole, and Elijah Mitchell took off through it. And the only person there to make a play was, I believe, the safety coming from midfield. And just like we've seen Raheem do on countless times. Uh, Elijah Mitchell kind of caused him to take a bad angle and just he got he made contact with him, but he just easily broke the tackle and took off and and scored. And it just it looked like a Raheem Mostert run. If he was in Raheem Mostert's jersey, we would believe it. So um, I think he looked like the guy with both of their speed talking about Mostert and Mostert, (laughs) Mostert and Mitchell, they build up speed so quickly that I feel like it helps them bounce off tackles. And we saw that with Mitchell a little bit today. And we even saw it with uh, Mostert um, early on. So I think maybe that's what it is. Or, I mean, maybe that plays a part into it. But, man, he, he looked good. I think he he probably broke three or four tackles too. So knowing that, just that he's not going down on first contact is a really good sign if Mostert does miss some time because he's going to go under an MRI, I believe Shannon said tonight actually. So yeah. um, by the time you're listening to this, uh, hopefully – We'll have some more information on what Mostert's injury is. Hopefully, it's not serious because he—I mean, he's—we he, saw him run the ball today. He's always going to be. Yeah, I assumed he was going to have a huge game, and and it, you know, just based off that first drive, it looked like he was going to. But obviously, and um, and we'll see. Whoa, I could see my my sound waves just all of a sudden changed, and it like made me way louder. Did I come through louder? You sounded like you were yelling. Oh, I'm not yelling. Okay. I don't know what happened on Zencaster right now, but all of a sudden my sound waves just turned crazy loud. So I'm going to try and like adjust this before it just freaks everybody out. Again, we're, we're live on striking gold here. Yeah. All of a sudden my sound waves are just like crazy. So let me see. Yeah, here we go. Let me turn that down a little bit. I know this is going to screw everything up and then I'm going to be quiet and they're going to be like, you screwed it up. (laughs) <laughs> Whatever. All right. Um, do I sound normal coming through? Yeah, you no, you're good. Okay. okay. All right. Well, hopefully things didn't mess with you guys too much. I, I don't know what happened. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else we need to talk about because obviously just a lot happened in that game. And I'm just trying to make sure we didn't gloss over it. The 49ers are obviously moving forward in a really tough spot at corner. Um, Ambry didn't fare well when he had to go out there. Dante Johnson got out there in one of his first plays. He was flagged for pass interference in the end zone. And, and that was, uh, one of Detroit's first scores. I believe it was their first score that kind of sparked that comeback. So, you know, that's kind of the thing to watch on what moves they make. And then obviously some, some part of that is Josh Norman and whether he's still capable of, of playing the game at a high level. 
Uh, I, I have no clue whatsoever. Uh, that's kind of just to me the status of, I mean, you kind of already know what the deal is with Jason Brett, but we'll see uh, the status of Raheem and then what they do at corner are kind of the things I have in my head moving forward. And then maybe right right along with that is, is what's up with Brandon Ayuk and is he going to be a big part of the offense at least next week or moving forward or something because that was just wild. I don't He didn't have a single target uh, all game on the offense, and that's just, like, weird. So hopefully there's not anything more to that that is kind of left unsaid. You know what I mean? Like, sure. like so, something that Kyle Shanahan hasn't said. And, He's not going to put him in the doghouse, is he? You would hope not. Hopefully, Brandon Ayuk doesn't get the uh, Dante Pettis treatment. Now, obviously, they're not anywhere near the same player, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. You're talking about a guy that I had huge ex- expectations for this year. Just literally went week one without a single target. So, uh, seems like a big deal. Maybe it won't be one, and, and things will get going. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I guess we haven't really mentioned the defense. I mean, we mentioned the defense. Nick no, I kind of want to talk about them. Yeah. Nick Bosa, D Ford, both had sacks. Um, for the most part, throughout this entire game, the defense just looked very stout until that kind of late game collapse um, started by Jason Brett's injury. So I don't know, man. I, it's just hard to talk about it. It just feels weird. It always comes like, back to him. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's almost like, is there, it, it, it's like I simultaneously feel like, is there stuff we're not saying or should stuff be left unsaid till things kind of develop. Cause it's just week one. Right. I don't want to fly off the rails, you know? So I imagine we're going to see a lot of, should we be worried about the 49ers defense articles this week? Just because the third three points and how the fourth quarter went, but they played really well. And I want, I think people should know that. So I, I look at success rate a lot, just because that tells you how things went on a down to down basis. League average last year for success rate was 48%. Niners after everything they went through today, uh, their success rate on defense was 46%, and so was the dropback success rate, which probably matters more since that is you know passing lead. And then their dropback EPA was in the negative, so it's not like the Lions were killing them. I believe Jared Goff averaged like something like 5.6 yards per attempt, so he wasn't killing them through the air. A lot of the ch- the plays happened when you know the 49ers defense they were playing soft and they were playing you know not as aggressive as we saw, and it's just. Again, just going back to the injury, it's hard to overcome that as a human to get that out of your brain and to turn it back into psycho killer mode that you're expected to do every quarter. So um, we leave out a lot of that type of context when we're talking or just when we're looking at numbers. So uh, I think people should understand that the 49ers defense will be fine and their pass rush. They have a lot to work with there. It's just going to come down to how the cornerbacks hold up which is pretty much the same as what it was before the game, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's just crazy that that was the one position that after the draft, after the offseason, I was truly worried about because I was like, okay, you have Jason Verrett, who's been through an insane amount of injury struggles, um, is like, like their leading man, and then you have Emmanuel Mosley, who's been hot and cold. And then by the end of week one, it looks like we've lost Jason Verrett. Emmanuel Mosley didn't even play because he was inactive um, as he recovers from a knee injury. And we've already hit like almost rock bottom for that group Man. after week one. You know, like every bad or all the bad, you know, feelings that I thought could be the case of that group have already happened. And we're not even 
you know, they had already happened before the end of the first game. So it, it's it's going to be interesting to see how they shore up that position going forward. Because, like you know, as you said, the pass rush is going to help, but they can't just have ghosts out there, you know, trying to cover guys. And, uh, you know, that only works a, a small percentage of the time. So will we see Richard Sherman on the 49ers this year? Are you asking? Yes. Uh, I I don't think so. I don't, I don't think, think so. He, when, huh? when, when Shanahan says, the way he worded it, the way he phrased it, and just the way he sounded, and this wasn't the first time he's acted like, or said this before, uh, it, it just didn't sound, it seemed like that door was closed. Right. Because he's obviously with the familiarity, he's going to get asked about that quite a bit, but I, yeah, I think it's close. Go ahead. Well, and it was obvious that Richard Sherman had his own, his own struggles to conquer completely unrelated to football. For sure. You know, yeah. so that matters. Right. And that Richard Sherman's battle to get back on an NFL team and start would be challenging if those other struggles didn't exist at all, but they do exist and it has to play a part in whether, you know, both his, him wanting to return him being able to return and another team wanting him to be on their team. So uh, we'll see. I I don't expect Richard Sherman to be the answer. I, you already said it though. I do expect the, uh, uh, the 49ers to go looking and that may include players on another roster, but it's hard to know how many quality starters are just out there chilling that didn't play today that a team would be cool with dealing, you know, or, or did play today that w- the team would be cool with dealing. So, right. I saw Stefan Gilmore, but he's on the pup list. He's going to miss six weeks or six weeks. So, uh, like, what, they need help right away. But I imagine Mosley is going to be feeling a lot better <laughs> come practice on Tuesday, Wednesday, right. whatever. Hey, man, we uh, we need you to uh, to feel better. <laughs> so how are you feeling? Um, anyways, but yeah, I think that does it, man. I mean, again, this 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 episode on Sundays, uh, recording on Sunday, is really just meant to kind of be our reaction to thing. We don't really talk about it a lot before we jump on here. We don't rehearse it. We don't put in topics. We just kind of jump on and offer our reactions to the day. Um, we'll jump back on here. I believe we're planning on recording on Tuesday, and uh, you know, we'll know more about certain players, their injuries, maybe some 49ers adjustments to the roster and be able to break the day, the game down just in a little more detail. And we'll do that on Tuesday. And then later on in the week, we'll be previewing the 49ers next game, which is against the Philadelphia Eagles on the run. I know Philadelphia Eagles. I know. I know they look, they look decent. They look solid. Jalen Hurts looked, looked okay from what I could see on, um, on the limited highlights. But anyways, you got any, uh, you got anything else you want to leave us with before we roll out of here? No, not at all, man. Just that the overreaction from this game, both bad and good, they're naturally going to happen, and it's always somewhere in the middle. The 49ers offense is probably going to be that good. Will they score 41 points every time? No, but I, I do think uh, one of my quote-unquote bold predictions were that the offense has a chance to be better than the defense, and I just think we kind of saw that today. Um but I, I do want to see what this team looks like against a quality team. So uh, maybe the only other thing is the NFC West looks strong. And Oof. these divisional games are going to be fun as hell. And I cannot wait till we get to those ones. Yeah. I mean, I didn't I, – I got a chance to watch some of the Cardinals-Titans game. And all I know is that Kyler Murray was my fantasy quarterback and he's sitting at 41 
points. So <laughs> like, obviously, you know, something went, somebody went big over there. I think they pretty much pretty handily whipped the Titans ass. So maybe that's what something we'll go over too uh, on Tuesday. It's just kind of how things looked in the other divisions. I know Chandler Jones had, I think five sacks today, yeah. which, is, <laughs> which is kind of scary, kind of absurd. Um, but yeah, we'll talk about that more on Tuesday, kind of where the 49ers stand or look to stand as far as teams within the division. But Hey, Appreciate y'all. Hopefully you tried to at least enjoy uh, the 49ers uh, first game of the 2021 season. It is a win. It is a win. But obviously, as we talked about it, uh, it wasn't really your average win. And you probably aren't even feeling that great right now. But if you aren't, it only means you're human. You watched it all go down. You saw what it was like. Um, Thank you for supporting the Strike and Gold podcast. Make sure you're out there uh, subscribing, downloading, rating, reviewing commenting all the good stuff that helps support us and keep us going uh check out tick pick check out wide receiver one and uh you know just keep keep on keeping on i appreciate y'all um but hey that's kp i'm rob this is striking gold and we're signing out